0: I also want to give a quick shout out, uh, Dee Riley and Marilyn Harder came up and, and deep cleaned every single one of these chairs, you don't know how disgusting they were, and they spent literally a whole week up here cleaning, and so they're not here, I think they're in the other service, but if you think about it, tell them thank you, because it is just such a blessing, people coming and serving like that, so, as well as you guys are online, we have a whole crew that goes above and beyond to make sure you guys can worship with us and serve us online, so thank you guys as well for doing that. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. Uh, Look across the room. Wave at someone. Come on, I know we're still social distancing. We can say hi. We can look at someone pretend like, just look across and pretend like you're waving at someone and they'll think you're waving at them is how it goes, so... You guys online, say hello. Let us know you're on service. We want to know who's joining us online. Again, this is a unique season. God is still bringing us together in spirit and truth. It's not just about a building, it's not just about being in presence. It's God's presence is what drives us. So, uh, we are in Ecclesiastes. We're continuing on that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And uh, if you've been gone for a while and you're like, we're still in Ecclesiastes? Yeah, we're still in Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry. It's where we're at. So, uh, as we open up to Ecclesiastes chapter eight, uh, I love to have discussion just to get our minds processing. And this one, this one should be <laughs> a good one uh, for you guys uh, with the people you're next to. I want you to answer this question. Okay, when did you get in trouble for disobeying your parents? Oh yeah, some of you guys, uh uh-oh, you know exactly what popped in your mind, like I never wanted to tell them that, so if you're sitting next to your parents, now the time to confess you're in church, tell them it's biblical, it's okay, right now, when is it time that you uh, got in trouble for disobeying your parents? Go ahead and take a second and do that. You guys online, same thing. you're sitting next to your parents, you can feel the tension building up, can't you, right now as you're confessing sins and stuff you're not. Online, Gary Smith, I'm sure, is just telling all sorts of stuff that he's done. Uh, if not, then you should shame on you. You should be. So um, I, I have all sorts of stuff. Uh, we, we always seem to get in trouble. And uh, out of respect for my parents, I won't go into a whole bunch of stuff I did. But I, I do remember us getting in trouble one time and um, my, we're in the car, and my dad would always say this when we got in trouble, and we were disobeying, doing something wrong, he would yell at us, and goes, D- do you want to spank him? Like, you ever, you ever do that as a parent? You ever ask your kids if they want to spanking? Nobody? Okay. Uh, so he does this one time in the car, and my brother is like, my older brother is like very witty, and he comes right back at him, he's about like, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, he says, Dad, do you expect us to say yes to that? And my dad goes, what? He goes, no, seriously. He's like, do you expect go? Oh, yes, please, Dad. I'd love a spanking. Give me. And my dad, kind of that moment of like how absurd that question was, honestly, never asked that question again after that. Um, I would not recommend you try that with your parents because it might not turn out as well for you. Uh, it was more my dad couldn't quit laughing so hard that he couldn't get us in trouble. But um, th- another thing I want you to think about this, kind of something different, a little different situation when it comes to disobeying. I had a situation I've had several times actually when I was a student minister where we have kids that were allowed to go with us to camp or come to church and, and they got saved. And for whatever reason, their parents let them go. But when they go back home, their parents says, you know, I don't, I don't want you getting involved in this God stuff. And they tell them, you're not allowed to go to church anymore. And the kids come to me and talk about, what should I do? And it's quite the conundrum. You ever think about that situation? Like, what do you do in that situation? I mean, their parents say, you know, you're not allowed to go to church. You're not allowed to be a part of this because I don't want this in your life. But at the same time you read Scripture, you got passages like Exodus 20:12. 12 that talks about the, in the Ten Commandments to honor thy father and thy mother. Like, what do we do that? Like, honestly, think for yourself, what advice would you give to a kid like that that came to you in that situation where they said, listen, I just got saved, but my parents said I am no longer allowed to go to church or affiliate with this anymore. What do we do with stuff like that? Is disobedience allowed? Is it okay? Is it encouraged? Are there situations where we say, you know what, you should revolt and not listen? I bring this all up because today's is one of the passages I wish I could skip over, but I want to be faithful to Ecclesiastes. As much as we talked about social injustice not long ago, today we're talking about how do I live under authority. And in any other time, this might not be an issue, a situation, but in our culture and time situation, it's a tough topic, isn't it? It's a tough topic just to bring up, and how do we deal with these sort of things? And listen, I don't want to just talk about from a political arena. I want to talk about just in any area of your life, when it comes to your own parents, whether you're, you're young or old, it doesn't matter. When it comes to the bosses, the people that you are around, when it comes to even church leadership, when it comes to your class leadership, like how do you respond Because what's interesting to me in Ecclesiastes, I mean, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, when he says, honor thy father and thy mother, God doesn't give any contingencies on their character or quality. He doesn't say, honor thy father and thy mother if they are good parents, if they faithfully bring you to the Lord. It just says, honor thy father and thy mother. Like, how do we run with these sort of things? And it's a hard topic to discuss and address, and it's a conundrum. And here's why it's a conundrum, and I kind of uh, abbreviated what one person once said. It says, those who exercise authority by their own fallen nature, will tend to abuse it. It's just truth. When we have authority, there's a natural tendency to abuse abuse the authority we have. And those who follow, by their own human nature, will tend to fight it. So you have those who have authority that will abuse it, and those who are supposed to submit to authority will constantly find ways to fight it. Yet both sides know that without authority, little in life can be accomplished. You see, when leaders do not lead or followers will not follow, something akin to chaos is the result. Welcome to 2020, okay? That's the best I can say right now. Like what happens when we have leaders who maybe don't use their position, their power, as they should, and yet you also have followers who refuse to submit and follow to authority. What does the Bible tell us about this? How do we handle this? Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, Solomon uses wisdom to paint a picture of what we should do. And to give you a big idea that we're going to come to that may be difficult to swallow, but I encourage you to allow God to speak to you through is this, is that the big idea is he comes and says we need to come to a point of honoring the position of authority. Now, when I say honor, you need to understand in biblical terms what I mean. The root of the word honor comes from the Greek word kabad, literally means to be heavy or weighty. It means to give weight to someone. In other words, to honor someone then is to give weight or to grant a person position of respect and even authority in one's life. In Scripture you'll see time and time again, God calls us to come and honor the authority that is. The problem that comes to us is for us, for people, for if you are breathing right now, rebellion comes naturally. What comes naturally is to rebel and not do it. Don't believe me? Go look in Scripture. Adam and Eve, what's the first thing that happened? They're given the opportunity to to submit and honor and respect authority. And what do they do? They rebel and go against it. You go farther back with Satan, who was, was one of the prime angels of God. And what happens? Under the best leadership possible, he still rebels and dishonors and goes against it. You have it in our American culture. The American Revolution was built on rebellion. This whole country was built on that standing up to those who oppress or do whatever to us. Don't believe me, it's even rooted in our children. Kids, most of kids' first word is what? No. Now, moms, you can try as much as you want. Mama, mama, and they might say it, but the word they own is no, okay? They will tell you mama to make you happy. They will say dada in spite of you, but they will say no because that's the word they own. And listen, you don't have to teach kids this. It comes naturally. Is that, doesn't it? If you don't know, you don't have kids, they, they will tell you no. It, it comes natural to us. You see, it, it's interesting to me that we rebel under perfect leadership in God's. Why would you expect our response to be different under poor leadership? And so why, why, why does God tell us to honor leadership even when it's poor, good, bad, or whatever? We're, we're going to look at what is going on. H- how do we do this? Because the truth is our sinful nature comes naturally. But godliness takes work. It takes the work of the cross and it takes the work of sanctification in our life. It takes effort. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 2 through 6, we're going to look at how do I respond to authority. Look what he says. He says, Obey the king, since you vowed to God that you would. Don't try to avoid doing your duty, and don't stand with those who plot evil, for the king can do whatever he wants. His command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. See, those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right, for there's a time and a way for everything, even... When a person is in trouble. Verse 7 says, Indeed, how can people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? Like, none of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. There is no escaping that obligation, that dark battle. In the face of death, wickedness will certainly not rescue the wicked. So, so when we unpack this and look at it, we're going to start with sections two, verse two through six, and he talks about how, how do we respond to authority. Well, there's three different ways you kind of seen there we can respond when it comes to authority in our life. And listen, I don't know what you're at or who's what comes to mind when I say this. It may be our government. It may be situation. It may be a boss that you work under that you can't stand. It may be the church leadership here. It may be me right here. I don't know where it is. It may be your parents, whoever it is. I want you to put them in that picture and respond and look at this. You see, one way we can respond he talks about in verse 2-3 is we we can disobey them or defy their commands he says obey the king since you bow to God you would don't try to avoid doing your duty we can come to a point and say listen I'm just not going to do what they say I'm going to defy them like I refuse to do what they tell me to do it's tempting for us at times isn't it I think every time for whatever reason with kids and stuff it's the same thing when we tell them to do something there's a natural tendency to say no I don't want to do it As a matter of fact, every good parenting book almost tells you like the best way to get with your kids for punishment is you give them the options to let them decide, which sounds great for working with your children, but at the end of the day, God calls us to a different standard to obey and follow. But but you see in history and in our world, you see this world of just wanting to disobey and defy. Thomas Jefferson, who helped found this country, once said, resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. Even the apostle Peter And Acts chapter 5, verse 29 says this, We ought to obey God rather than man. This came right around the section where they refused to stop preaching the word and they were thrown in jail for it. Are they right? Are they right? Is there something else? We'll we'll keep unpacking. So we can disobey, we can defy their commands. We can also, as he talk about in the second part of verse 3, we can plot, undermine, or subvert their leadership. Look what it says. He says, don't try, don't try to avoid doing your duty. Don't stand with those who plot evil, for the king can do whatever he wants. He says, his command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. He talks about stand with those who plot evil. It's like more or less those who are finding a way or like staging a coup, if you will. Like, hey, we're, we're going to not just disobey, but we're going to above and beyond and undermine and come to a point to subvert his leadership, what's going on. What's interesting to me, it says, don't lead that. He doesn't say it. He says, don't even stand in that court. He's saying, listen, don't even entertain those discussions. I don't know if you can identify a time in your life that. For me, I remember one distinct one we had was in high school when I played basketball. We had a brand new coach that came in my junior year. Honestly, we were not fans of him. Our previous coach we loved. We loved our, our coach we had before. And we had this new coach come in. He comes in, and a lot of us didn't really respect him. We didn't show him the respect he had, and we had this game we're playing. And for saying, listen, anytime we were in a close game was a rare game. We were terrible at basketball. And we had this game, and it was a close game. Our coach calls a timeout with 10 seconds left, takes us in, and draws up this play. And you can tell in the eyes, none of the players, including myself, respected the play he drew up. And we're like, oh my gosh, this guy knows nothing about basketball. Like, what is going on? And so he calls a break, and we leave. And as we leave, all the players walk out, and we go back up, and we said, hey, forget what coach said. Let's run the play that coach last year had called Why? Let's run why. Let's do that instead. We go out, we run the play, it runs to perfection. Score point, win the game, and it's one of our only wins this season. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Next Monday, we go into the locker room and we're watching game field, and the coach is like, listen, that's a great game. I don't, I don't as we're watching, like, I don't know what you guys are running there. Now, brilliance would be to keep your mouth shut, right? That would be brilliance in the moment. But we had one player which, uh, named Jared that I'll never forget says, oh yeah, we didn't run your play, coach. And coach says, what? And we're like, Jared, hush, Jared. Jared's like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's why. That was, that was last year's coach. We like that player. You see, we called a private meeting afterwards. And we're like, what are you doing to us, kid? Our coach immediately took us out. And I don't think I've ran and thrown up so many times in my life in the same stance. Now, listen, were, were we right or were we wrong? We won the game, but we undermined his authority and completely undid everything in the moment. Like, we, like if we came out successful, isn't that the right thing? Yeah, I think there's something else he talks about. He says, listen, don't, don't be a part of those discussions. Well, why not? Why, why shouldn't we? Well, look at verse 2. He says in the very beginning, he says, obey the king. Why? Since you vowed to God, you would. He, he connects back that, listen, part of honoring the king or part of honoring those in authority is honoring God himself. And you're like, well, I have never made a vow to God that I would honor this person or that person or whatever. No, but when you submitted to God's leadership, you ultimately submitted to the leadership that he's established as well. And it's to honor him is what he says. And so he says, listen, don't do that. I just lost my plot plot, plot here, sorry. Verse 4, he says, not only that, not only do we dishonor God in that, in verse 4 he also talks about, he says, it's just a foolish thing, period. He said his command is, in verse 4, is backed by great power. No one can resist and question him. He says you can learn to stand up and disobey and undermine a story, but listen, at the end of the day, he has the power and he or she or whoever is going to win. Like, this is not the brightest way to go about. It's just not fruitful in your efforts, so don't do it. And so we can disobey, defy commands. We can plot, we can undermine, we can subvert. Or or there's another way in verse 5 through 6 that he unpacks. He says, listen, those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do his right. For there there is a time and a way for everything, even when a person is troubled. He he talks about another way, he says, we can use discernment to do what is right in the situation at hand. He says there's a way to do something that's right. Well, what is right? Well, when you look at that, right means this. At first, it's about being patient for the appropriate opportunity. He's like, listen, those who give time and effort to this, listen, there is something that will come together. There is an appropriateness that you'll confine. Too often, we want to knee-jerk and we're impulsive and we jump into decisions or jump into the feelings we have. We let our impulses control us. It's like Warren Wearsby said, he said, the impulsive person who overreacts and storms out of the room, like in verse 3, is probably only making the problem worse. Isn't that true sometimes? I know I've done that in my life. He says, wisdom helps us understand people and situations to figure out the right thing to do at the right time. You see, there's an appropriate time, there's patience that can come. There's also, he talks about, there's a right solution. There's a a well-thought-out and prayer-driven solution that can be brought in every situation. Well, you don't understand my situation. Well, according to Scripture, we say in every situation, there's a way out. In every opportunity, there's another way. You have words like obey, don't avoid, don't stand. Listen, when in doubt, we should err on the side of caution, err on the side of obedience, because Scripture speaks more to that than disobedience and standing up. In all situations, and we'll look at other passages here in a second, he says, listen, don't, don't subvert this. Like, listen, give it time, give it patience, give it well thought out on what is the right thing to do. You have to also understand sometimes it doesn't even mean deliverance from our situation. He says at the end of verse 6, he says, even when a person is troubled, it means there's dark times, there's difficult times, even it may harm you, it may be difficult, but even in those situations, you should still be patient, still wait for the right thing. And so I've unpacked this, and some of you guys have tuned me out, and some of you guys are frustrated so far with where this sermon series is, and you're looking at your spouse thinking, I told you we should have slept in today, we could have totally just done this at home on our own. And so why should I respect and honor authority? Like, why should I do that? Look at verse 7 and 8. He says, it starts out, he says, Indeed, how can people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? Well, why should I submit or respect and honor authority? Well, first and foremost, verse 7 is because God is in control, even of the authorities that are over you. And part of submitting and honoring authority is the fact that you understand God is still sovereign, even of those things. But when we disrespect and we say, you know what, I don't trust, listen, it's an aspect of saying, I don't trust God, that God can even do something with this. We don't know what God is doing. The leaders who do stuff don't know. I, as trying to be a godly man, don't know what God is doing. I try to guess. I try to talk to him. But God even works in my own stupidity sometimes and brings great things about. You never know how God is going to work. I love Todd Fisher said this, a pastor in Shawnee. He says, God even uses corrupt governments to accomplish his will. Don't don't undermine his sovereignty. understand It was a Roman cross that Jesus Christ was crucified on. It was under the Roman authority that that brought about God's will and redemption to mankind. I understand it was Roman roads that paved the way to allow the gospel to be transported all over the known world. Most, uh, most historians would tell you that if the gospel had come any time before, they didn't have these literally protected Roman roads, the gospel would have died right there in Jerusalem. It was at the right time, at the right place, and God used wicked Roman people who rebelled against God and fought against him, used that to accomplish his will. Even in your worst situation, God is in control and you don't know what he's doing. So there's one aspect of that. A second aspect in verse 8 is this, is that ultimately God is the final authority. Not only is he in control, but he's the final authority. I love how they describe in verse 8 this idea of this, your translation might say wind or spirit, it's two of the same word. It says none of us can hold back our spirit from departing. Or prevent death. The the literal image is you have like this king on his deathbed and literally his spirit's departing. He's trying to grasp and pull it back. He can't stop his own death. As much as his authority wants to try to say, listen, I'm in control, God is the final authority and what's going to happen? As much as he tries to stop his spirit from departing, he can't. God is authority. Do you respect and do you see that? Not only that, he ends with this saying that he says, wickedness will not rescue the wicked. He says, ultimately, those who live by wicked deeds will die by wicked deeds. It will never deliver you, and it will never deliver them either. Like, there's an aspect of trusting God that he's the final judge, he's the final authority, he's the final control, and he will vindicate me in this life or the next, and he will do what is right. And so what do I do with this? God says, come, honor authority. Why? Because ultimately, in verse 1, like he says, honoring authority honors God. How does that happen? Our earthly authority, you need to understand, that we deal with and have is meant to represent God, good or bad or whichever. Just like marriages, when you get married, listen, having a marriage covenant is not about you and your wife, you and your husband come together and just living happily ever after. That's not what it's about and having a great family. Your marriage is meant to be a witness and a testimony of the love God has for us, the marriage that God has with us. And sometimes people completely abuse that in marriage and don't model that well, but God still uses it nonetheless, does he not? Even in authorities, in good authority and bad authority, it's all meant in one way or another to point back to God. Romans 13.1 says this, the scripture time and time again, says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities had existed, uh, that exist have been established by God. This was Romans. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome with who? Caesar is king. He's not talking about a Jewish king they have at that moment. He's talking about Caesar. 1 Peter two thirteen through 17 submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right, for it is God's will that by doing good, what, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Titus 3.1.3, one more for you. Remind the people to subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. See, at one time you were foolish, disobedient, and deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating in one another. At one time you did the same thing. He's saying, listen, ultimately we, we need to submit to leadership because our Leadership we sit into is ultimately a reflection of God himself. I think about this. I, I don't know if you know this or not. I used to drive a school bus for a living. It was punishment for previous sins. I'm pretty sure of that. Miserable job. If you drive a school bus, hey, God bless you. I'm just going to say it right now. We were in Afton, had to make ends meet, and so I took up driving school bus. I started at the public school, and I was like, Lord Jesus, deliver me from this, this mess right here. And then I got an opportunity to go work at the Votech down the street. I'm telling you what, that was amazing. Like, I got, I drove a brand new bus. It was a short bus with air conditioning, but hey, it had air, I don't care. Like, I drove a brand new bus. I had a very small group of kids. It was great. Got a big pay bump. It was amazing. And I went from driving for public schools where kids were just screaming nonstop from the point it started to the point it finished to driving, and it was silent, and it was nice, and I had sanity. And I remember riding a bus, and I had all these, like, junior and senior year old kids, whatever. And this one kid in the back of my bus, I always looked up, and he'd be chewing tobacco and spitting in my trash can on my floor. And I said, quit chewing tobacco and quit spitting on my bus. I said, if I tell you again, I'm going to take you to the office. Next time around, sure enough, what happens? He comes in, he's doing the exact same thing. I said, that's it. I want you to stay on the bus. We're going to go around. We go into the main office, the principal or superintendent of the Votech, I walk in. And I'm used to public schools. When we took kids into public schools and said, hey, this kid did something. They'd be like, little Johnny, don't do it again. Okay. And I'm like, well, that did nothing. Um, and they'd go right along. We go in the Votech, This kid's asking, me, like, what will they do? I go, I have no idea. I know at public schools, they just kind of slap you on the wrist and let you go. We walk in, <laughs> I wish I was lying, we walked in and the guy, I told the principal, whoever, and I said, hey, uh, this kid was chewing on my bus, I told him not to, um, so I, just, I brought him here because I didn't know what else to do. And the guy looked at him and says, I want you to pack your stuff up, go home, don't ever come back here. Now, I don't know whose face was more shocked, his or mine, because I, I go, what? He goes, the kid goes, what? He goes, yeah, he goes, dude, it's a privilege to come here. We don't have to let you come to the Votech. If you're going to act like this and not respect, you're not going to respect the authority I put in him, like this is a representation of me. He said, don't come back. The kid walked away crying. And I looked at him, and I said, dude, listen, I, I, I just wanted you to scare him. I think you did it. <laughs> like, please don't do this. Like, this might literally be this kid's only opportunity for a career down the road. Would you let that kid, I'm telling you, for the rest of the year, that kid swept my bus every day. Man, and you talk about sucking up. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because here's what I'm trying to say. My authority was a direct reflection of his authority. And by him disrespecting me, ultimately he was disrespecting those that were above me as well. Now, I might have been a bas- bad bus driver. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Your rebuttal might be, but our situation is different, Eric. You don't know what I'm in. You don't know my parents. You don't know our government. You don't know my boss. You don't know whatever it might be. Warren Wearsby says, no, but Solomon did. You look at Eastern rulers in that day, they held all the power. They were not elected to position. They were not chosen. They did whatever they want. He understand the wickedness was there, but yet he's still saying, submit and honor those authority. You might be saying, well, why would I honor bad authority? Why would I come and honor people who misuse and abuse, who wrongly use their authority? Because how you respond to lesser authority is going to directly correlate to how you respond to greater authority. Why does God say, honor thy father and thy mother? What if you have wicked parents? It does not matter because ultimately when we teach our kids to obey us, we're ultimately teaching them someday to obey the creator of the universe. That's what it's pointing to. And listen, if we can learn to submit under poor leadership, how much better will we do under great leadership? And God calls us to that. Your rebuttal one more time might be this, but but God is good. My leaders are not. My dad is not. My mom is not. my, My boss is not good. Well, let me ask you this. So you never think you'll ever dislike or disagree with what God wants you to do. You will. Don't believe me? Go look at Job's story. Look at his situation. Go look at a calling that you see over and over in Scripture, people. God will call you to do stuff that you will disagree and think you have a better way and a better idea, and he knows nothing. And listen, God cares more about our obedience than our success in life. God cares more about our honor than our success in our life. And so God calls us to honor those who are in position. So I blindly dishonor, so I blindly dishonor these poor leadership, this bad leadership. No, you discerningly honor and submit to the leadership in place. In every opportunity, you should find ways to go above and beyond. When it's unbiblical, listen, you will be called sometimes to do something unbiblical. You honor the authority, but you submit to God. Think of Daniel's situation in scripture. Daniel refused to eat clean food, man. He he refused, like this was something like, this is me against what I should do. What does he do? He respectfully goes and sits with the people in charge and says, listen, will you allow me to do this? He doesn't say, hey, forget you. I'm not gonna eat this. I'm not gonna do what you say. I'm gonna do whatever I want. He goes and respects the position and says, will you allow me to do this? Later on, they try to tell him he can't pray. What does he do? Does he go public? Like, I refuse to pray. You're not going to make me do this. No, he quietly refuses and and disobeys in his own home. And when he comes to the king, what does he do? He respects his position, and he accepts his punishment. He understands that his disobedience is going to lead to suffering. Jesus Christ, same thing. When they came and tried to trap him, they said, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? It was a trap. And Jesus did what? He said, give me the coin. He says, whose picture is that? That's Caesar's. Give to Caesar's what's Caesar's. Do what you need to do. But yet when he came to the cross, what happened? He still respected Pilate, but he took his punishment. It was literally the hill worth dying on for him. Now some of you want to stand up and you want to fight over stuff, and you need to realize that, listen, we need to respect at all times we can. We want to submit and follow leadership. But when our beliefs are truly being sacrificed, there is a right way. And sometimes it may mean the hill you have to die on. But you need to go as far as you can to fight to do what's right. We need to submit and honor authorities when all possible, at all possible. You might be saying, why should I go as far as I can in submission? I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I think it's important. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, look at what it says. He says, I urge you then, first of all, the petition, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving to be made for all people. He says, pray for kings and all those in authority that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. He said, This is good and pleasing God, our Savior. Why? Who wants all people to be saved, to come to a knowledge of truth. Why do we submit to leadership? Because you don't know, even through your submission and honoring bad leadership, what God can do through it. I'll never forget being in Chickasha, and me and the pastor Jerry Lee who was at first Baptist Chickasha, And we sat down talking to said, Man, I gotta tell you something happened. He goes, I had a kid just like one of yours who came, he got saved, and his parents said you can't go to church. He came talk to me, and I said, listen, you need to honor your parents. Keep loving the Lord. Keep doing what you need to do, and you're diligent, but you need to honor your parents. This kid, over the next six months, went home and did exactly that. He wasn't allowed to go to church. He lived that way, and after six months, him and his parents came to church. Jared went and shook his hand, took them, they started coming. About another three months later, his dad and then his mom both got baptized and saved in this church. And the dad, on the day he got baptized, stood up and said, I want to tell you right now, whenever my son got saved, I told him he was not allowed to go to church. But when my son came and he honored my authority, and listen, there was something different about my son that I knew that was different. Something had changed in him. And over the next six months, I watched my kid do lack differently, different than he's ever been before. And it made me realize something was missing. And it led him to a point of Jesus Christ, led him to a point to realize that he was lost. Listen, you are called on mission, not on vacation. You need to understand that. This is not club med, it's a Christian walk. You are called to sacrifice and serve for the purpose of kingdom work, and that means sometimes even under poor leadership, we need to respect what's there because it all points back to God. Now I don't know how you take that or how you process it, but God is calling us to that. Honor the position of authority. My natural inclination is always to rebel. My natural inclination is like, I have a better way. It does not matter. There is a right way and a right place and a right time, but at the end of the day, you find more Scripture talks about obey, submit, and honor because God can work even in the worst situations. Now, that's a mouthful. That's a lot right there. Next week, I'm actually going to do a whole lesson just on how Christ did this in Scripture. But I challenge you to reflect in your own hearts. As Matt comes up, and I want to just ask you for a second, listen, in your own life, what does this look like? In your own response, listen, honestly, let's be honest. Where you're at right now, who is that person? When I'm talking about this, are you angry about right now? What has been your response, your actions, your, your, your how you've processed and done stuff? Have you done it in a way that points people back to Christ or they look at you and like, man, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want any part of it right there. Our witness is our greatest thing right now. The question is, what will you do? So I'm going to ask for just a minute with your head bowed, your eyes closed. I'm going to do something different. I'm just going to ask you just to pray that God would soften your heart and give you an opportunity to honor the leadership that God's put in your life. I don't know what's going on with you. I can tell you from right now, from my own position, this has been one of the most difficult seasons I've ever been through. With the elders from talking, this is one of the most difficult seasons we've been through in many regards. And I'm not looking for pity. I'm just saying, listen, right now, like, how much honor and respect would mean? I think in my own life of those who I was under and how I disrespected them and how much different my life would have been and how much different it would have been if I had honor and respected them. Even now as an adult, I struggle with that with my own parents. I'm an adult. but I know better. And I still struggle with that. And so your head bowed, eyes closed. I'm just going to ask you and allow you just to pray to God and just let him just convict the areas that need convicting. Maybe you're struggling to let go of some area in your life. If you need prayer, our elders will be available here and some online as well. They'd love nothing more than to walk you through and just encourage you in this season. Would you let me pray for you? Father God, I thank you for a tough message. God, you know how much I wanted to avoid it and how much I want to skip over this section or gloss it over. But God, you you want us to learn something. You want us to be a different kind of people and a different kind of church that lives differently in how we respect and honor authority. For some of us, that's our government. For some of us, that's our, our bosses at work. For some of us, that's our parents. That's, that's any kind of leadership. God, teach us the right way to handle and process life and to do the right thing. You called us above and beyond. Let's follow your example you've set. I praise you for being faithful to bring us difficult words, and I pray we would be receptive to what you have to say. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to continue to worship. I think it's important right now more than ever. Um, I will say on your way out, there are tithe and offering buckets. If you, if you can, I encourage you to be faithful with your tithe and offering The season. If God has blessed you, listen, please be faithful. It's a season you need to do that. If this has been a tough season, you're struggling right now, listen, don't don't overextend yourself. Don't put yourself, be faithful to what God can. If we can help you in any way, please reach out to myself or one of the elders, Matt, whoever. We would love nothing more to minister to you in this season. And so let us find out how we can help you. Same thing online. You can go online and give there too. So would you guys just worship with us as we close out?